0: Welcome to Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera, where we break down issues of religion and faith to help gain a better understanding of the sacred and secular. In Islam, God is called Allah. In Hinduism, God can be called Brahma or Brahmin. Buddhists pay their respects to Buddha. In Judaism and Christianity, God can be called Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, Jehovah, and many other names. But who is God? Better yet, what is God? Questions about God's identity are being asked over 88,000 times a month. This is a very popular question for all types of people, and honestly, it's pretty much impossible to answer. But we are here with Dr. Mark Rivera, and we're going to explore this challenging topic and discuss what we understand about God. Dr. Mark Rivera, thank you for taking time to dive into such a complex topic. Who is God?
1: Again, it's a it's a privilege and honor for me to be here with uh, in this podcast and to be able to as you just mentioned, dive into this very very broad uh uh, topic, and, and and I'm almost certain that, uh, not I'm completely certain we won't be able to give the full definitive yes. final answer <laughs> on this, but certainly we can explore this, because one interesting thing about this topic about who is God and what is God, it has been uh, around for the history of mankind. Mankind has always been striving to understand things that are not palpable around them, and God being one of them, so it's an interesting subject that will not be resolved today. uh indefinitely, yes. <laughs> will shed light into some areas. Will probably open up the appetite of some of our listeners to exploring this further. And then we'll also bring people to um, make definitive decisions with regard to the discussion today. But nonetheless, let's, let's 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 plunge in and and start talking about this very important topic.
0: Yes, yes. Let's get into it. Well, let's start with like the most obvious. So, what? How do most people? Um, describe God? What is the the, the the stereotypical view of God? Let's start there.
1: I, I think it, there's no, again, this is a tough one, but yes. um, <laughs> how many people are there on earth today? You know, mm-hmm. the billions of people, if you ask individual groups of people, you're going to get thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions perhaps, and even more, a hundred millions uh, different views of what God is, and mm-hmm. so it's it's very complex to have one definition or one description that would satisfy all of mankind. You started at the opening stating about how Hindus uh, see God or call God, how D- Judaism uh, calls God, how yes. Christianity, and that's just scratching the surface of how people um, um, defined. God is he tangible? Is he a, a spirit? Is he a light? You know all sorts of things. In fact, when you look around and study a little bit about humanity, you know you see people even high uh, holding, you know animals in a high regard to deity. That's true. Yeah. You know, and or even stones, right? Or people mm-hmm. have uh, statues that they think have divine, and even some people in the clouds see things that look in the form of some kind of deity. So the the how the people view God, it all depends on who you ask and also when you ask them. Mm. But I think one good place to start is that everyone, in my opinion, every everyone, every human being, is always seeking to experience something greater than themselves. Mm. And I don't mean by another human being, but something outside of this uh, dimensional uh, reality that we have around us. And in this case, it's God or something God-like. They may not call it God, or they may not call Him God, or they may not call it. I just use the word "it" as well. Um, uh, but they are seeking to connect. And certainly, I think when in our in our context, people go to places of worship really to experience something greater than themselves, beyond the music, beyond the good preaching or or whatever is being done uh, in the liturgy. People are wanting to experience something greater than themselves, and I think. The reason that they have this desire is because unlike the rest of creation, man mankind is able to think of the past, think of the present, and also think of the future, where most of, not most, the entire animal kingdom does not function in those realities. Hmm. And that reality is that I'm of the conviction that mankind is really a creation to be like God, not to be gods, but to have the essence of eternity, to be creative, to be able to, uh, have that ability to look and plan even into the future where the rest of the animal kingdom doesn't do that. That connects its, connects to our drive and desire to experience something greater than themselves. In fact, one of the reasons why man explores the universe and we landed on the moon back in 1969 and all of that is because man is constantly looking for that next adventure that is greater than themselves to try and almost embrace questions or rather answers that cannot questions that cannot be answered to embrace those but yet there's this quest inside to know
0: hmm. like I'm trying to see how, what's the common thread with all of these various descriptions or points of view of God it sounds like it's definitely something divine right and we try to frame it perhaps with these labels like we started various religions have different names
1: yeah but if you think and you you're going down a really good path here, if we're able to define right. the deity God, right? aren't we limiting then that God? Mm. If we're trying to place him in a box or a definition, which, you know, a few sentences to describe him or her or how, whatever the audience, how you label him, because I'm being careful not to use how I would call him God. Uh, only so that I can continue to hold our audience by the yeah. hand. And let's explore this together without being, you know, without being troubled right away at the <laughs> beginning of this podcast. But if we actually succeed in defining God, then aren't we not then limiting him? And does he then, being limited, cease to, ex- to be that God that we were striving to, uh, to attain? So I, I wonder often then, is it really, uh, are we able to define him and, yeah. and my answer is, no, we don't know. I had a professor in seminary that, that told me that uh, even when we think've we have God all defined and you know in an neat package, all we really know about Him is maybe the, uh, uh, a fraction of the soles of his shoes or sandals that he wears, hmm. you know, if he wears sandals, because that's another human thing. That's the other thing that we need to keep in mind when we're trying to define God uh, or what He is or who He is, is that we're using our limited human frailty, yeah. actually.
0: How we understand yeah, things, right? Exactly. And we can't help but personify God, go. but is He a person? Yeah, you know, like yeah. that question still. In the Old
1: Testament, when the when the people of Israel were were explo- they didn't get to see. They only, in fact, God started to become somewhat tangible to them with mm-hmm. was, was with Moses and the burning bush, right? and uh, not the body bush. I'm sorry, when he was up in Mount Sinai, that then the Lord was, he wanted to see God.
0: Yeah. Because yeah.
1: for a human being, it's important to have our senses help us to define what we're trying to explore, mm-hmm. right? To define yes. it. Yeah. When you look back to uh, the exploration of the moon, we wanted to know, does it have water? Does it have uh, earth? What's the composition? Because those are the things that are, a concrete for us to be able to have in order to define something. But just when you think you're getting to know God, all of a sudden he slips away from you some more because he cannot be defined. When you define something, you actually own it. You actually limit it by by saying this is what it is. So God escapes our abilities to be able to define him, one. And number two, we are trying to look at deity and at God and the eternal, this existence Power or force, however we want to look at it at this moment. Light uh, through the 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 frame of our human senses. How do we see him? Can we hear him? Do we taste it? Can we smell it? You know, can we feel it? All of those. And when they don't meet those criteria,s which are human criteria,s then we say, well, he doesn't really exist. And we, in mm-hmm. reality, even that statement, yeah, he doesn't exist in the realm that we expect him to exist. Right. But there's no doubt in my mind that he does exist.
0: So that's actually a very good point that you're describing and how we we, it's just human nature for us to try to make sense of things using the senses that we have. But, I mean, it's already scientifically proven, for example, that there are sound frequencies that we can't even hear. You know, there are light spectrums that we can't even see. So, I mean, again, I don't want to throw this out there as... God exists in those <laughs> those frequencies or whatever, but it's I mean it's just an example of that kind of proves this idea that we are just limited in general as human beings. That right. I think that's the thing I'm trying to just mm-hmm. get out. So it's so to try to wrap our human limited mind, as you've been describing, um, around something that is supposed to be bigger than us, greater than us, divine, something existing in a realm that is beyond us. It makes sense why it would be so hard to actually answer the question which is the title of this podcast who is god or what is god
1: right it's it's you know and again we the only point of reference that i can is based on my personal experience and by the way just to to in in, parenthetically speaking for a brief moment is we really this is a conversation we're having about about what is god and who is god we've really done no prep work in a formalized way to present the a b c and d format that we found about god
0: this is exactly who god is (laughs) exactly exactly and then you know there's no
1: deviation because i think in conversation we can learn so much and this is really a conversation yes we're coming from a point of experience in our own lives we come from experience of the miraculous which is another big topic right people may not believe and we and i i always connect miracles to god Mm -hmm. uh we're bringing that to this podcast but in reality we've done no preparation work this is like two people sitting with a group of people right now listening to us we're having a cup of coffee or 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 something and then just having a conversation about this major major topic but in a way i think that that format that i just described is actually helpful for this conversation because there is no a b no one has the patent the copyright patent Mm. on who is god Mm. it it is so subjective uh, to the person and in their experiences, I mean, I I don't question that people see images of deity when they're looking up in the sky. I don't question that. I've never seen that, by the way. I think for me, it takes a lot more creativity to be able to see icons of spirituality and of deity in 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 creation. But mm-hmm. the Bible does say that you know the heavens declare the glory of God. So. For some people that matters. Yeah. I have not heard his voice, right? I didn't have the experience of Moses seeing his back as he was in Mount Sinai. I, you know, uh, God also spoke to him through the burning bush, right? And yes. is another example. I've never heard the voice of God, but there's been things in my life that I can't attribute it to any any science or any uh person or coincidence or luck, whatever it is people say, it had to be divine intervention. It wasn't coincidence, I don't believe in that either. Uh, but I, I have landed in a place that I will never be able to describe nor fully experience God until the time when I am on the other side. Because now I am looking at deity, I am looking at God, I am looking at him uh, through the limitations of our own, my own frail humanity. But I can't trust, although I don't see. You know, I trust that the wind comes from somewhere, but I don't see it. You can't bottle it, right? You can't describe it in a sense. You can, you can, you can sense and feel the effects of the wind. You know, I, I don't think, for example, when I when I when I think about um, uh, 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 evolution and all of that, right? I mean, it's hard for me to to believe that some, some there wasn't some uh, hugely powerful force. And I almost feel horrible saying that about God. Mm-hmm. Far, horrible force. That didn't somehow work all of these things into existence: the sun coming up at you know in the morning, and the moon, and and gravitational pulls. Another thing that we don't we we can't bottle that, but we can't deny the fact that it's there. That
0: it's there, yeah. So,
1: you know, we do limit ourselves by trying to define God. I, I think the question is perfect because that's the inquisitive side of being a human being. I don't feel guilty about the question being posed or me attempting to answer it. But I don't overcomplicate it for myself because there really is not going to be a definitive answer. When Back to Moses. Moses wanted to see God. He needed evidence. He, he actually had the same drive that we have today. If it's really you, then let me see you. But no one can see God because of our frail condition. We can't be in front of such holiness, such you know, sanctity, if you will. Uh, and survive that, and some people say, "Well, that sounds kind of ridiculous." Not for me. Initially, academically, it does sound a little bit ridiculous, but no. I mean, uh, can you think about it? A sinless entity, God. All of a sudden, I'm going to be in His presence, and that was that's what Moses was asking, really. And in the if you really go into the weeds of defining the text there. Um, the Lord only showed him his back, not his full the fullness. Because, and in fact, even when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, there was a radiance about him.
0: Yeah, he was glowing right when he came <laughs> he down. Was, right, he had yeah, to cover his face because right. he was blinding everyone. Yeah, almost, yeah, exactly <laughs> that.
1: Which brings the whole thing about veils and all that that we need to cover mm. when we get. But that's how awesome that experience is. And even in the in the burning bush situation with Moses again. Yeah, you know, he heard the voice of of. The voice, and obviously the, the 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 that that weed in the desert doesn't have vocal cords. So how was that going to happen? I don't know how to explain that to you other than say, yeah, it was God. Yes, it was God speaking to you. And on and on. There's some examples in Scripture, uh, and I think the point with regard to who is God and what is God, you have to start from a place of uh, of question, which is fine, but then also understand that we may not all be uh, 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 we may not all up end up in the same landing as as the other person. We may yeah. not all be
0: there. That's a perfect segue, I think, to the biblical context. What yeah. and you, we we kind of already touched on it, uh, talking about Moses with the example of of God giving him the privilege of getting to see even just a little piece of him right. um, on the top of Mount Sinai, and even that was so uh, such a you know a powerful experience that he. I mean, I forget the timeline of how long he was glowing, but his face was literally glowing when he came back down to the right. point where it was blinding. The people had to cover himself. Uh, God spoke to him through the burning bush. What are some other examples where God has kind of crossed that threshold of where you know the realm in which He exists and where we exist down here on earth?
1: There's there's many many examples in Scripture with regard to what they call epiphanies, the presentation of God in human form and tangible form or in visual form that Mm -hmm. responds to our senses. But we have to go back to where. As far back as we can in the Old Testament, with regard to to God, and even even the people of Israel being delivered from captivity under the Egyptians, right, and and then having to cross through the desert, the wilderness, into the Promised Land, mm-hmm. you see in there God being shown, uh, even in the miracles of the when they went to Pharaoh and the, those incredible miracles. Miracles are a sign. That point us to something larger than ourselves, because science can't explain it. You can't duplicate it in a in a laboratory, and and your reason cannot comprehend it. But reality cannot deny it. That's what a miracle is. Yeah. All those things. But going back to the the people of Israel leaving Egypt and going through captivity through the wilderness, heading toward the promised land, they were you know the 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 sign of uh, of 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 fire. And light and all of that as they were marching through the desert, and they didn't know exactly where they were going, but they were going someplace, right? Yes. Um, those are all things that are used to to point to something bigger than us. Mm. Obviously, that light that was protecting them, the opening of the sea, the waters, parting of the waters, the miracles that took place, they were definitely being accompanied by God as they were heading toward the promised land. So, and you have to look at it that way because they were bound in captivity by the Egyptians. All of a sudden, their freedom came to following this man Moses, who couldn't even speak right, mm-hmm. had difficulty uh, with with you know articulating anything, and also had a fear about public speaking. All of a sudden, he's the least likely to be used now to lead the people into deliverance, into into um, uh, uh, no longer being in captivity. Those, I think, uh, uh, and some may say, well, that's not that's not enough for me. For me, that's enough. I mean, when you think about what it, what the people of Israel were going through while in captivity, now they're brought out of captivity miraculously. Mm-hmm. You have the, the plagues that hit the, the, the people of Israel, departing of the sea, and all of that. That's incredible stuff that could not be done by science, by, by a political movement, by a, a, a government. It had to be done by something bigger than us. And There are examples by examples by examples that we can continue going in in the Old Testament. And again, I don't want to overemphasize, but I do want to touch on the the fact. I'm speaking from my experience, and I I follow Christianity. That's what I believe. But if you look at all of the, particularly the major religions, they all have similar kinds of episodes that cannot be explained humanly. They cannot be explained academically, but cannot be denied that they took place in the journey of humanity.
0: Yeah, so signs, miracles, these are all indications that there must be uh, a God out there. There must be some sort of deity behind um, the things that we are experiencing and seeing in reality, even though we don't necessarily see the being or the actual force (laughs) behind it. But we're seeing the results and that, um, that tangible proof gives us an indication that. There must be something bigger out there. Yeah that <laughs> it begs that question. So that, that definitely tracks and and we can follow that. Can we can we touch the the whole idea of the Ark of the Covenant? God, uh-huh. God God's presence through there. And and, and the reason why I, I wanna highlight that is more because uh uh we can also try to explore this this idea of God through experience and also how he manifests himself right um in different ways. And and I think that's like a very uh tangible probably one of the more tangible examples we see for a long period of time throughout the old testament
1: that's true now it represented the presence of the lord being there for for the people and it was an actual cabinet it was an actual tangible thing because again we only believe what we can feel touch hear yeah. and smell and taste that's that's what we do we believe so in we, that so well we, actually we don't but we say we do because you know we don't know where electricity comes from in a sense of uh, being able to see it or light but yet we believe in wind it, gravity uh, but generally speaking, we don't give ourselves wholeheartedly unless my five senses are engaged. So the people of Israel had this tabernacle, which was designed by God and given by God. and that's what that was the visual pre- um, representation of where God would reside. They were giving uh, specific uh, orders and commands on how to treat that 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 cabin. I'm saying cabin. It's almost offensive to use that word, but it was an, an icon. It was a, a representation of God's presence. And they were giving specific instructions by God on how to handle that and who can handle that. Mm. And not just anyone can move it around because it was that sacred. But, you know, Judaism also teaches us, That even even mentioning the name of God is so holy and great that we should not even let our 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 lips and our uh, our tongue and our vocal cords are not worthy to be able to express even God, Hmm. you know, mention His name. So it became this um this image, this um the this uh, the the the, this essence, if you will, that was beyond ourselves in a human experience. What I like. That, and I learned about Judaism is that even though they were still struggling with those kind of defining God with my senses thing, they still trusted that God enough to leave captivity and go through the wilderness. Mm. They still trusted God enough to uh, uh, erect the 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 uh, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and that's the covenant with the people of Israel. They still held that as an, an icon of high regard. And, and anyone that did not follow the rules, they knew they were going to be killed. That that's that's. Kind of extreme when you think about it, a, a loving religious, and when you have a religious spiritual experience, or experience with, with God, that He would do that. But those were the rules, and that's what the people of Israel needed to confine themselves to. So the icon represented that it was, uh, uh, that it was the presence of God. But you know, today we have similar things. When when people religious or non religious see a cross, yeah, right, mm-hmm. they don't see a piece of wood. They don't see a piece of metal. When when people see a vestment that um, that clergy people wear mm-hmm. Right Whether it's the collar Or whether it's the robe We we have a different level of expectation Even when we're introduced to someone And we say this is Rabbi so-and-so This is Imam so-and-so This is uh, Reverend so-and-so Our level of expectation changes Because yeah. something happens inside of the human spirit That lets us realize Wait, this is the representative of something That I don't totally understand Yeah The other thing that I think it's worth talking about here in in light of your mentioning the Ark of the Covenant is that for the people of Israel, um, God could not be described with one name. Because even putting one name in Christianity, we basically use God, G-O-D, and we usually spell it with capital G, right? God. In a way, that's also limiting who God totally is. And the people of Israel, yeah, it's an interesting concept here. Because the people of Israel, they didn't have one name for him. In fact, if you Google it right now, God and, and and names of God, you're going to get a list which can be a dozen. It could be more. It could be less. And
0: I did that, and I saw a long list of names. And even um, the spelling, they they uh, typically will leave. Don't they? Don't um, at least from what I saw online, even the word God is missing the letter O, or right. Yahweh is missing the vowels in it. And I even read somewhere that um, they even believe that even uh, if you write the name of of God, like right Yahweh, you should not erase it. You should never erase it.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they hold it they revere the name. Even the
0: name, yeah. But and, which and, isn't what you said, which we don't even really have the accurate name, right? right we don't, we <laughs> don't. So even the the limited names that we have are still super, super sacred.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. so true. Even you mentioned Yahweh too. That's really an acronym. Those are really mm-hmm. letters that are used because they don't want to use all of the letters in there because it would be offensive. Wow. They view the offensive to God. But going back to names, I mean, but they had names that were about the quality. For example, me. I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm using (laughs) this as an example. Let's (laughs) let's make that very clear. But uh, not only am I a male, not only am I a Hispanic male, not only am I an urban Hispanic male, not only am I a senior citizen male, (laughs) right, Hispanic urban, but I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm also a grandfather. And we can keep going down the line yeah. of the different things right. that would describe me, diff- and I'm also a pastor of a church, right? So so what happens? People that interact with me when we're gathering for worship are going to react to me in a different way. And it's kind of the same thing in the way the, the Jewish people looked at God. God could not be a uh, uh, placed in one category only. So they describe what's called the attributes of God or the characteristics that they experience of God. For example, they use the the, the name El Shaddai is a name that's used in, in Judaism to describe God, and that's simply the Lord God Almighty. Hmm. So when He showed up as a powerful Almighty, they, it was El Shaddai. They have one when uh, a word that's used to describe God Adonai is another one, right? Adonai, and that simply means Lord, our Master. Or I like when they when they use Yahweh, the one we described before. Yeah. That's Jehovah God, or Jehovah Nisi, our banner. That's when they were processing impress- toward the place to worship. All of a sudden, God becomes our banner. Or when they talk about Jehovah Rapha, and that's the God that heals, mm-hmm. right? And he was the healing God. I, one of my favorites, of the, the one of them, they, they all have special significance for me, but one that has particular significance for me is Jehovah Shammah, or Jehovah Shama depending upon which way you pronounce it, Shema or Shema. And that simply means that God is there, present. Mm. I like that because He appears in our journey. And I'm going to have to personalize this. He appears in my journey as Jehovah Shama, fully God, not partial God, but fully present in my situation. Shama means the Lord is there or He's present 100% in situations. And I, and I know for me that just... It moves my spirit when I think about him that way. You have also Elohim, which is God, simply God, G O D, God, Elohim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is Jehovah Jireh, and that's that the Lord will always provide mm. uh, and and always will meet our needs. And and then there's another one that's finally we find in the Scripture that kind of encapsulates so many of them, which is uh, uh, the great I, I Am or the Jehovah rohi right? I like that from the. Uh, uh, from the book of Job, Jehovah Rohi, the God that sees, he's aware. And that's not seen just with our eyes, again, because we look at God through our senses. It's not just seen through our God, but a God that experiences our experience as well. That he's able to absorb what we're absorbing as well. It's not yeah. just vision, it's being able to experience, it, in a way, uh, the totality of where we're journeying through. And it's hard, again, it's so hard to put it into words, but if we capture those little vignettes... And then the the other one where, it says where 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 he says, I am that I am. Who, who should I say send me, right? And he says, I am that I am. And I am that I am is that God will become whatever we need him to become in that moment, in that miraculous moment when we need him to become that. Wow. Sounds like a mouthful. But that's what, so the Jews had all of those attributes of God. And they understood all of those attributes of God. They also understood that you could not have one name to describe him because yeah. it would belittle him. Wow. And it would be an insulting thing, and even till this day, Orthodox Jews do not go that path. Like you said, a few moments ago, they eliminate the O, they alter yeah. the, the 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 spelling, in in order to be able to feel that they're honoring the Lord. All I said a whole bunch of the uh, a few mom, in these few moments, yeah. but that does not mean that the question "Who is God and what is God?" these two questions are wrong. God created us to be inquisitive to yeah. seek answers, that's what allows us to invent things. That's what allows us to get to the moon. That's what yeah. allows us to invent the, you know, uh, uh, vaccinations for polio and all, all of that. It comes from that desire, that question. Know. So knowing and questing to know God, it doesn't offend him at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and even uh, one of the descriptions you said, I am that I am, that was in response to... A question, yep. right? Like, yeah. what, what was it? it? was Abraham, I think, right? right? That was mm-hmm. asking, who are you? When I you put yourself in the shoes of Abraham at the time, I live in a world where everybody has, believes in many gods, and they have little idols to represent each god, but... You are this existential thing that I can't even, you know, see or touch. How do I describe you? Yeah. And that was in response to the question. So I think that that echoes your but, point. But we
1: do that today too. When I go for a job interview, well, who? Well, let me see your recommendation letters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you're gonna go move into yeah, buy a house a or something, point. you need reference letters. So that was the whole quest that you yeah. see there. That who shall I say sent me? Because that's important. Yeah. And the response was um, not. Uh, in the box, response is you know whatever you need. What do you need? You know, and wow. I believe God still that you know responds to our question that way. What is it that you need? And He'll take care of that in our lives. We just have to trust that He's not fool He's not playing a game with us. Right, He really isn't playing a game with us, and we have to just trust Him that He's going to see us through. Even when you see later on in Scripture, um, now Jesus becomes and in Colossians and you you, you in, in in the writings of um, the New Testament you will find where it says that he's the exact repres- representation of the deity. Mm. So in cuz that's the other thing that we have to realize right now as I'm looking at you I'm looking at god likeness as you're looking at me we're looking at a god likeness as we go outside and we see creation we're looking at a god li- god's handiwork is everywhere. Mm. But we're looking to find out what's god's email what's his website you know <laughs> what's the app to download everything about him. And the other thing is that I have to ask is and for what reason? Mm. Will you believe him more if you know who he is? If you know what he is? If you know what he looks like?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because really, that's like a that's like a business transaction. It's mm-hmm. transactional relationship. So if I get to know you, then I'll love you. Then I'll serve you. Then I'll then I'll make you my God. Well, what about if you don't know him exactly? One answer to a question always leads to four more answers. Yeah, I mean, four more questions. Questions? Yes. We we and and actually that's not that's not a bad that is not a bad thing. You know, to be able to ask, there's no ridiculous question or foolish question. We should ask them. But I just want to present that, that we as human beings, we have this tendency to question. The question is answered. And then we all of a sudden come up with another A, B, and C, and D, four more questions. And when those are answered, that's the way we are. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that, again, that's part of our creativity and our ability to be able to look into the future and conjure up into the future you know, a, a like to frame the, the the tomorrow, which is really the description of hope. You mm-hmm. look at tomorrow and you frame it uh, around. Uh, but the the questions are good. It's just, that when you know, when we have to get to a place where we have to trust with the evidence that we have already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's also why we started this podcast by, you know, throwing that spoiler alert out there. We <laughs> don't know the answer. We don't have a definitive answer for this. So true. Um, but we wanted to at least... Explore why this idea of, of God and who he is Can be so complex And at least, you know, like we had discussed What is it that we understand so far?
1: You know, an interesting thing that happens to me And it's happening to me right now as we're talking um, I, I feel so almost inadequate to be able to describe Even th- even <laughs> when my powerful experiences in my life mm. with God feels so inadequate to be able to describe him But it's because that's exactly what it is mm. You know, we're not going to get to the place where we're going to have everything buttoned down with regard to him. And he is not, and when I say him, you know, I I put a gender pronoun there, but with regard to God. yeah. You know, we're not going to be able to do that. But again, it's a, it's a tension here, Matthew, because we're not going to know, but I think the questions are good. Uh, so we're not gonna know but the questions are good. So what 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 are you saying right now? What I'm saying is, you know, we have to keep those two things in the balance while I still trust him. You know, because the moment the other thing is once you know everything about something, do you need that something any longer? No, you could just put it up in the bookshelf and that's it for a reference point in the future. So you got to get to a point where uh, you have enough information to trust God. Uh, to and, and that's uh, enough for now. Uh, Paul writing into to the, to the uh, uh, to, he says he says right now we see through a, a through an opaque glass in Corinthians right in First Corinthians thirteen. He's saying right now we're seeing partially, and what that means is through an opaque glass, and we're not able to see all the details. But then he says one day we will be able to see clearly, clearly, mm. and that that frame that picture that he frames there for us it really is about questions because if you don't see clearly that means you're asking in your mind well what does it look like what does it seem like what does it feel like that's those are the questions that are in our mind but Paul is saying through his insight right now we see things kind of muddled yeah and we're living in a world that's that way we see more stuff muddled and 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 out of focus than we do see things focused but it says and it, it gives us a bit of hope. One day we will be able to see clearly as looking through a crystal clear glass. Same thing with regard to God. We're going to have questions until the day we're called home and get to the other side and then all things will be revealed.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually a great illustration there and a good point to remember with the example of Paul. It almost sounds like the whole, you know, our faith, one of the bases of our faith is to that we're on this journey of trying to figure out who God is. And, and, and it also sounds like God is also doing his best to attempt to answer that question for us within this current existence that we're in right now. And I say that because of the examples of the Ark of the Covenant, right? That was an attempt to kind of put some sort of peace, not all of God, but a piece of, of God to help the people of Israel understand who God is. Um, and, and, then, and then how sensitive the dynamic between us and when I say us, I mean human beings with the Ark of the Covenant, how that was a very delicate thing to deal with because even that little tiny fraction of God existing down here on earth within that, you know, cabinet, as scandalous as that may sound, um, even that was still so, so sacred. Powerful, um, yes. And then, yes. I'm you know, I want to just try to connect the dots how we get to now christianity and the significance there i mean we kind of threw some little easter eggs earlier with the veil with, with moses coming down after experiencing god and then you know again we uh, in a previous podcast we talked about um uh, well, the, i think it was actually the last one about uh churches right and right. the tabernacle and yes. how that was a holy place mm-hmm. uh because god's presence was there and right. how delicate that had to be but now let's fast forward a little bit now jesus has come into the story yeah and how does that change now the human experience between God and, and between us and God?
1: Yeah, that, that's, um, and again, this is the Christian view right now. Yes. So obviously, then we see in John that that word, the logos, the non spoken intelligence of God, right? That's what mm. it happened in the Old Testament. Now you have it made tangible. That word was, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's, wow. that's John, the fourth gospel. He speaks of that in the first, in the opening chapter, and you know the the word was with God, the word was God, mm. and then and that that word, that logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. So, and then there's another part that in the New Testament where the decla- the declaration comes out: "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father."
0: Mm. Jesus, Jesus speaking, that. yeah. Jesus speaking.
1: So, if okay. you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Then you couple that with the other idea that comes out of Paul's writings to the Colossians. Where he says, you know, he's the exact representation mm. Jesus is the exact representation And then you look at whoever the author is of the book of Hebrews Because we don't know for sure who the author is Where where he elevates Jesus He says, Jesus is it He's higher than the order of Melchizedek he's, He was present in creation So it's elevating the Lord So... If we have an overarching view of the New Testament, mm-hmm. which is where I think where you're going yes and now the overarching uh, 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 okay. theme of the New, one of the overarching themes of the New Testament is that Jesus then is the tangible human representation of the deity of God. And if you've seen him, you've seen the Father, right? Mm. He, he is the one. He goes and he ascends to the right hand of the Father. The, it, it, it places on him the majesty of God, the Creator. Uh, back to Hebrews. Hebrews said that He was present in creation. Back to Genesis one one. So you see Jesus being lifted up uh, into heaven. Uh, you see Jesus being lifted up. I didn't want to say heaven first. I wanted to say in the writings, in the writings of the New Testament, He's lifted up now, being the Logos, the non-spoken intelligence of God, as being now the one that if you see me, you seen the Father. The one where John would say, "I'm not worthy of tying the even the sandals of His feet." Right? Yeah. I am the precursor to Him. Elevating Jesus, because then Jesus becomes for us. Uh, uh, in fact, the way to the Father is through Him, is another topic that comes out of the New Testament. Mm. So, to answer the, the opening question, is for all of us here, if we want to know God and we want to see God and experience God, then the way to do that somehow, some way, is a connection with Jesus. Mm. And a connection with Jesus would then usher us into that bigger room of knowledge and understanding to the level that we can comprehend about God, because that's the other issue that's big. We're asking to be to, for the revelation of something that we cannot handle mm. to know.
0: Mm.
1: We really can't handle. A human being is not capable. I've often, and I've said it in this podcast. I don't know if it was the last one or the previous one, we were talking about the Bible, that the Bible contains only the amount of knowledge and truth and revelation that a human being can understand. I mean, we have a huge capacity to learn Right, but there is a limit to our human capacity while we're here on Earth. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with God. I mean, the Bible is sixty-six books. And it contains everything that we need to know about the deity, about God. But it's only what we. It's not everything. Everything that we need to know mm. that we can handle. Right. There's much more. That's why we need an eternity when we get up there uh, to be able to explore all knowledge and our, and our, our total our senses. Five senses won't even count because now we'll have an immediate knowledge uh, of what is going on. The same thing with God, yeah. uh, we we we're asking a question that God is actually protecting us by not revealing His totality to us because it'll kill us. Look at Moses; he came down from the mountain glowing, and would have been killed, mm. right? Look at the high priest again, back to the the tabernacle and the, and and and. They, they went into the room, and they didn't do the thing of purification. They would be slaughtered in there. Look at, the, the, the again, the carrying of the tabernacle, and the guy that carried it without going, he was not qualified to carry the the the, the tabernacle, and he was slaughtered right there in a public place because he was doing it incorrectly. Wow. That's with partial knowledge of God. Imagine if it's the true God, and he's a holy God, and he's, a, he's not like us. We look like him, but he's not like us. So and i'm i'm getting a flood of thoughts and ideas so stop me if you need to interrupt but you know we're trying to have god look like us
0: mm.
1: and it's the other way around we have to start to looking more like righteousness and holiness and service and love the other way around and be more like him in those areas of our life that we see god when we help somebody that's down and out in their life we see god when we rescue an individual he, he is there they see god in us when we give them something that they know they don't even deserve, but we give it genuinely from our hearts. That's why God is manifested in us. So in the New Testament, it's pointing to the Lord. It's pointing to Jesus as the one. Now that takes us into an area which I'm not going to get into, but I am going to mention because it's in somebody's some people's mind as well. You know, so then Jesus is it, he's God, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's part of the Trinity and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we and in some circles of Christianity, that's what we embrace. The point is not to get caught up on three gods it's not three gods at all if you we go into it and we're not going to go into an in the, the, the description yeah, of that that's a heavy one. <laughs> yeah that's another heavy lifting but not, I'm not afraid to go in there but for the sake of our podcast and the audience listening you just have to discover god. Hmm. You have to discover God in your life, and you see him. He reveals himself in so many ways just about every day. When the sun comes out, God is revealing himself. When things go our way, God is revealing himself. When we feel lonely and down and out, all of a sudden, we feel this sense of peace inside of us, God is showing up in a big way in our lives. What does he look like? Well, it depends what you want to see. Mm. You know, how many times do we meet somebody? I know I have. Right now, the people listening to my voice have never met me. If there ever comes a time in the future where we meet... You might say, Wow, you're not who I thought you were. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you're Dr. Mark. <laughs> you, you, it's you. You know. Uh and, and I won't get any further than that. I'm almost tempted <laughs> to do that. But you know, we you go by, by what the what the voice is. But I'm real. Right. I'm tangible. I'm alive. I'm here. You know, mm. that doesn't mean that I'm not here, but you may have a already a frame, a template mm. of what he looks like. And if he steps out of that template, then will you stop believing? Will you question him in another way? In another way, my my, my advice right now, where to land is they have to has to come place where you where enough of his revelation is available to you. Uh, can you trust him with what you know? Can you live righteously with what you know so far of him? And as you go and you evolve, because it's the word that I use so often now. It's evolved, You keep emerging and maturing and growing. Mm -hmm. And then he'll reveal to you much more of of what he is. When a child is born, they don't know who their daddy is. They don't know who their mommy is. They go by their senses. Mm. And they only have a partial discovery of who their mommy and their daddy is. When the child becomes four years old, now they have a different experience. When the child now goes to school, there's a different experience with their parents. Uh, They're evolving into their maturity. Later on in life, they get married. They go to school, all these things. And now the father, who was the same father in essence when the child was born now has a different definition for them. Yeah,
0: their perspective of the parent exactly. has changed. Exactly. And, and and like you said, the perfect word um, has evolved. Their perspective, their understanding of that parent, that's a that's a very good example for that. It also sounds like there is no limit to who God is, how we experience God. It also seems like there's almost no limit to the adjectives we can use to describe Absolutely. God, the names for God, um, and all of those things Um It seems like we just when when it comes to uh, our own personal lives, when we do ask that question to ourselves or to God, we have to just be as open minded as possible and don't put any type of frame around it.
1: You know, as you're mentioning that, I thought about a a friend of mine. He told me uh, uh, his story and he you know very uh, successful and doing very well in life and you know with possessions and things and accolades and the ability the flexibility to live wherever and own whatever he wanted uh, he went through a huge turmoil in his life right and he was far from god spirituality and religion were not part of his journey he was being successful because he was really good at what he did you know so and uh, he had everything he could ever want and, and and everything that most of us in the audience myself included would want to uh, would want to have as well good for him <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean i wasn't i'm not digging on him i'm cel- celebrating the fact but awesome. then he got to a place of emptiness that he realized mm. that he did not know he was yearning for something larger than himself right Owning all this stuff, he was yearning. And someone happens to invite him to a church, right? And he decides, because the, the the clergy person there was a friend, he decides because of his friend, he's going to go to the church that Sunday. Listen to this. He's walking to church, and he's telling me the story. He's walking to church, and he's a few blocks away from the church. All of a sudden, he meets God. Hmm. This is not a crazy man. This is a man that's highly <laughs> intelligent, very successful, and so I couldn't help but, because now I'm inquisitive, I says, well, what do you mean? Yeah. He says, I don't know, but I know it was God. I says, but how can you say you know it was God yeah. if you don't know? He says, that's exactly, I don't know, but I know it was God. Anyway, his life was transformed mm. from that moment, not because he hadn't even gotten to the, to the, to the church yet, he was on his way walking over this is not a guy driven toward emotion and you know this either. no he was a very logical process oriented pragmatic kind of individual and then he tells me he's walking <laughs> and he means god like i i kept wow. asking him what did that god look like well, you know more bec- i understand that type of miracle but i wanted to try and see if he had a way of knowing it was not a light that that shined across the the street it was not nothing hmm. i have another friend that was Walking and again miracles. You don't have to believe them. You don't have to believe them. You just can't deny that it happened because they happen. Mm. You can't explain them either. For another friend of mine years ago. And now he's very successful and everything. And he's walking down the street with his uh, later to become his wife, and some woman stops him along the road and just turns to him and says, "You know, I I love you. God really loves you. I love you." And then he turns around, and keeps walking. Then a few feet away, he turns around to see and capture the woman. And says, "Why did you tell me that?" Anyway, for the next half hour, they went through the whole neighborhood trying to find the woman. They never found him, found her rather. And so she's telling me, I mean, he's telling me that it was a kind of like an epiphany, a God showing up to them. Now, I know that rattles some people that are listening to me right now Mm. because God can show up any way that he wants to, in any form that he wants to because he created all forms and all things. So because we sometimes have a picture of God being a man, but he used that little old lady to speak to my friend. We'd mm. speak of uh, God being whatever, the form that we have. But my other friend, the, the guy that was wealthy and, and doing well, there was no form. There was, might have been air that he, that he was able to experience. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. God can occupy any form. And you're right, because I'm responding to what you said earlier. We cannot define him. We cannot capture him in a, in a, in a bottle, He's not a genie that way. He can, he is God. He does whatever. But do you have enough information? Do you have enough experience with your hunger toward him to be able to trust him? That's mm-hmm. what it amounts to, to trust him. I've never seen God. I've never heard his voice. I've never been able to be hugged by him. But there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he exists. And for me, that's enough. I don't need more. I can continue trusting him, and I know not everyone is in that place, but that's the place where I land. Right? Yeah, that's the place where I land. You know, you, you, some people think that God cannot be a woman, but then what ha- the women are going to have a problem with that? Mm-hmm. God can be a person of color. Well, the people of color are going to have a hard time with that, don't you think? Can, and,
0: can we go there real quick? I already, I already, I, mean, I, sh- I shouldn't have opened that door, but yeah, right. yeah. Can, I mean, I, I mean, I know I don't want to turn it into a whole other big uh, controversial thing, but yeah, I mean, gender, ethnicity. Um, what, how do, you, how do, do we apply those things to God? Is that, is that something... How, how does that work? How does that work? I'm confused here. <laughs> I thought we were wrapping up. Right? Get know, ready to wrap know, up. And here I we know. go. But
1: the, the Jews have a... In, in Judaism, there's another word uh, to describe God, and that's uh, El Shaddai. Okay. And the word El Shaddai means the multi-breasted one. Hmm. And it really speaks of the nurturing, a maternal nurturing of the deity of God and so i have to respond by saying yeah if if there cannot be a feminine side to god then what about all the women that we have mm. right what happens to them and oft- and and i'm not saying that god is feminine i'm just saying if he doesn't have that kind of uh, characteristic as well yeah and we were made in cuz he's not image. gender specific mm. no no but we have to realize that we because we, again in the in the western way of our theology informed by my Precious European brothers, <laughs> um, if you if they the the authority has to be male, has to be male, uh, 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 patriotic. uh patriotic? No, It's not patriot, but anyway, paternal. Paternal, paternal. Paternal. There you go. So it has to be. So there was no way that we're gonna make God have any feminine qualities, nor allow that to be. And I'm not saying that God is. God is not gender specific. God just is. He just be. That's yeah. <laughs> a better way to do it Not that just he he is Because that sounds like it's right now He just be He just be yesterday He just be today And he'll be there tomorrow So God doesn't have the He's not Hispanic But he is Hispanic He's not white But he is white He is not black But he is but he is black mm. he, he is human I mean and No no Let me back up He is loving toward his creation uh, Humanity mm. And if you look at humanity It includes all sorts of people Otherwise those people Won't be able to relate to that one God yeah, what I think say? that's what it really comes yeah. down to, right? At the
0: end of the day, yeah. he can, can. God has the ability to connect with all of His creation, right? I think that's the, yes. the point you're, you're you're trying to make yes. here that it's not limited to gender, race, or anything like that. No. All of those things can still connect to God, but it doesn't mean He is limited to that identity. We use those labels, right? And labels
1: limit. When Mm -hmm. you put a label on an envelope, you can't open the envelope too easily because labels limit. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And so we, in order to understand, well, and even in politics, are you this party or that party? You know, are you pro this or pro that? We we are people that want to be on one side or the other. In reality, we have to see that God will be whatever you want him to become. You know, it's like when I think it was Josh in the book of Joshua where the guy appears with the sword and Joshua asks the question, well, whose side are you on? And he says, I, I'm, on, I'm not on either side, because God is on all sides and on either sides. He's on mm-hmm. his side. Yeah, He's the ultimate authority. And we, we have to realize that oftentimes in these questions, which are good and healthy and I think beneficial, what we do sometimes is pigeonhole and, and confine rather than uh, liberate our thinking of mind. Not liberate God, but liberate our thinking of God.
0: All right, last question. A little bit more on the personal side for you. Who is God? How do you experience God? What is what is God for you?
1: I think I, I, I alluded to that in, in the, my previous commentary. Um, I experience God every day or something about God every single day. I think waking up in the morning, last night before we, we, I went to bed, I looked out the window and creation was just screaming, God. I looked out our kitchen window, which looks west for a few miles. And um, when you see the colors of the sun descending you know here in, in the New York area, um, it speaks, it just inspires And inspiration, and when I use that word inspire leaves me in awe When I use the word awe, it really is about God mm. Then I get up this morning after sleeping mm. I get up in the morning before everybody gets up Before the city wakes up that never sleeps Starts waking <laughs> up I look out the same window and I look out And I start to see, you know, the the light of the sun Starting to come in That's how I experience my God At the end of the day, at the beginning of the day To start my day and end my day But then throughout the day I see, you um, Whisperings of the Lord throughout. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, he wrote the book. Um, it'll come to me in a moment. Uh, it, the God winks. The little God winks that God gives you throughout the day. The little moments when He just blinks at you, and and you know it was not coincidental. I don't live in a coincidental world. I live in a world where God orchestrates my day, and if I'm obedient and 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 uh, willing to trust Him in those minor decisions. Um, I will have a very productive and fruitful day. It's when I when I take my own agenda and, you know, uh, that I end up messing things up. Rushnell, his name is Rushnell. I'm just thinking of the author of the book.
0: <laughs> you weren't lying. It came to you in, Rushnell, a, in another minute. I yeah. just don't
1: remember. A squire, I think it is, something like that. Anyway, Google it. It's a book <laughs> that I read several God times. God Wings, you said, God right? God yeah. The God winks. And that God throughout the day, for me, that's what he does. And in the smile and the laughter of a child, you know, mm-hmm. this morning when my when I went to drop off my granddaughters at school and one of them turns around and says, I want to hug you before I leave. That's, you know, that how do you describe that? My goodness. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, even in my interaction now with you, through, even throughout the day, because I saw you early this morning, um, God is in this. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I experience God. I don't have God. So here's another one. <laughs> I know we're closing. Sometimes people put God, you know, you ever been to these public buildings where they have a fire alarm box, yeah, right? And it says, break glass, pull lever, and then that'll call 911 and bring the cops or the, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we reserve God for that. That's where we have them. Only in emergency cases. (laughs) Only when God says, only when the doctor says, I'm going to die. Only when, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We run, break glass, pull lever, and then God shows up. See, I don't have God. I don't have a 911 number for God. Mm. He just, he envelopes my life. I mean, so... And that's not, I'm not trying to place myself in a cloud right now. No, no, no. Very human. My feet are planted on the ground. I know my frail humanity, and I know, <laughs> I know. But I, I, I sense and feel him throughout the day, and I actually search for him. And worship is a way of searching after God mm. when you worship, because God inhabits the praises of his people. So he, he's always present, but he inhabits in a different way, to meet your need, to satisfy, to bring you peace and balance. And uh, that's a long answer to your question, but... Um, the same way it's hard to answer, you know, God, it's hard to answer how we experience God. But all of us, the thing is that I want our audience to know, please notice when he, when you are experiencing him, don't go the day chalking it up to luck, to luck or coincidence. You know, God orchestrates our day in a very miraculous way because he is real. He is real.
0: That's great. That's great. And I think that's a good place for us to uh, conclude this episode. Um, Thank you all for listening to this latest episode about who is God. Um, As always, if you haven't subscribed to Dr. Mark's uh, website and his blog, that's DrMarkRivera.com. Dr. Mark with a C, uh, not a K, Mark with a C. Um, Any other final thoughts before we officially Wrap this up.
1: No, I'm looking forward to continuing this exploration. This is not like preaching or teaching at the church. (laughs) This is really talking. It's almost like talking in a barbershop or something like that, you know, over a cup of coffee. But I'm enjoying it very much. Thank you also for all that you do to make this happen. and And we're excited about continuing to do this. So stay tuned with us. Let other people know, please.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera. Thank you again for listening and God bless.